Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. How you doing? See if my iPad will recognize me. I left it up here by itself. Okay, wake up. Interesting thing happening this week, uh, Hunter and Allison are getting married. Come on, wake up. No, that's taking pictures. Okay. My finger? Wing it. Wing it. Okay. You, you don't have that much time. Uh, okay, it came up. Yay! All right. So, uh, so we've been talking the last couple of weeks about gospel culture. What does that mean? What does it look like? Uh, how, do we, how do we live in this world? Uh, so I want to clarify something that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. So last week I talked about friend day. First week we talked about awoke or awake. Then we talked about... Uh, uh, the other issues that are facing us, you know, are we going to live by lies or truth? So after the Covenant Presbytery School shooting, there were some calls by some aggressive, I guess on the radical left, not, not normal, not normative uh, people for more violence against Christians. Uh, and so, I, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to find things you don't agree with because, you know, your feed will give you just feed you stuff you've looked at. So I went on some pro-trans blogs, Deliberty. I wanted to see what they were saying because I wanted to see, a, I wanted to really see what they're saying. And so they were saying that Christian pastors are calling for violence against trans people. And it's like, ah, you know, I mean, you know, there's like, I don't know, like 250,000 churches in America. It's, there's a lot of churches in America. And I thought, you know, I haven't. I haven't seen that, but it's a, it's, it's a little hard to sort out because when, when trans people are referring to violence against them, if you disagree with them, some would say that to disagree with their chosen lifestyle is to damage them, it's to attack them, so it's violence against them. But I didn't think there were, there were pastors out there that were calling for violence, but I was wrong. Uh, there is a group, uh, you know, there's crazy people on every side of every argument. Uh, they're called independent fundamental churches. They have about 30 churches in the U.S. There's some, one even in Fort Worth. Uh, one preacher named Jonathan Shelley at Shield of Faith Church suggested that Christians need to kill gays, trans, and Jews. Uh, and so most of these 30 churches, this network of churches, kind of all believe that way. And I just want to say, he's wrong and evil. And the kingdom of God is never advanced by violence and anger. Never. That's, you know how our king advanced the kingdom? By dying. That's how we advance our kingdom, by dying to ourselves. And if necessary dying for our faith. But just as the Nazis 
you may not know this, but the Nazis had engraved on their belt buckles, Gott mit uns, which means God with us. They did evil things, and they would have, you know, although Hitler was certainly not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination, but they, he used the Lutheran culture, Christian culture, to his advantage and with that mentality, God is with us in this war. Uh, they did evil things. They did horrible things to Christians who resisted and tried to help uh, other people who were being persecuted escape. They killed Christians. Uh, Catholics, they killed Catholics. Uh, black people. It's, hardly, it's often not talked about that, but that Hitler uh, only saw you know, the, the one race of people that were worth, the, the German people is the only people of being worthy of uh, life, really. Everybody else was subhuman. Uh, so all kinds of ethnic minorities, the, the Romish, the, uh, the Slavs, all these they, they killed, and then they were methodically effective and killed millions of Jews. And there'll be people who tell you that they, that didn't happen. I want to tell you that it did happen. I've been to Auschwitz twice, and I've walked through the corridors where they, they meticulously, because they're Germans, they meticulously uh, cataloged every item they took off of the people as they got off the trains before they marched them into the gas chamber. They told them when they left the places that they were staying, that those the hovels and places that they were holed up, they told them, take all your belongings with you. And so, especially your valuables. And so, their gold, and, and of course, they took the, extracted the gold out of their teeth and did all of those things. Uh, horrible things. But uh, they had to do it because they took, kept too good records. Uh, they kept meticulous records that proved that they did kill millions of people in the gas chambers in Auschwitz and other, other camps like Dachau. So uh, there are people that are wrong like that, and there's people like this, you know, and they're wrong. They're evil. And, and we who are in the body of Christ, they may call themselves Christians. They are not Christians. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. And the fruit of Christ is not hate. It is never, ever hate. And we may agree with, disagree with people. We may disagree with people's values and their lifestyles. We may say, I don't think that that's God's plan and God's will for your life, but it should never be done with hate. We should never stand on a street corner and tell people they're going to hell because we don't know. Now, who do we judge? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible tells us that we don't judge outsiders, people who are not in the body of Christ. It says God judges them. Who do we judge? We judge those who are in the church. And how do we judge them? Same way, with love and grace and mercy. We're never, we're never judging anybody to condemn them or hold them in their sin. The only time we would correct someone is to try to help someone get free of a bondage of sin. Sin will hold you in chains. Anybody know that? Jesus wants to set us free. So how do we live as Christians in a post-Christian world? Uh, how do we live? I think we're seeing uh, the Christian veneer, 
that was, you know, not really true Christianity, but a semblance of a, 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 I would say, a veneer of Christianity is being ripped off of American belief, life, and culture. Uh, the true religion that is emerging, that has been the origin religion for a long time, is the religion of self. And is emerging and engulfing not only America, but it's engulfing the world. It's traveling at a, at a much faster rate. Uh, things that would have happened in one part of the world and not have even been known about in the other part of the world. Now that we have 6.9 billion smartphones in circulation, uh, there's only 8, peop- 8 billion people on the planet. So some people are carrying two phones, like some of y'all, Right? So it's unbelievable. That's not, that's, you know, that's not women and children. Uh, I mean, that's not children. So that isn't 8 billion including children. So how do, how do we deal with this? How do we live in this world? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus was telling us this is what he wants us to be. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to use a lot of Bible verses today, so just, you know, run with me. You know, that's just the way I roll. It's just like... I, I, you know, I want to be careful. I don't want to give you a bunch of opinion. I've got a lot of opinions. Don't, and don't you? And I think I'm right. And I think we all think we're right. <laughs> That's the problem. So Jesus said, he's our authority. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, and does not, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus calls us, this is one of, one of many serious sermons Jesus speaks to us, and he calls us to be salt and light. But he says, watch out. You don't want your salt to lose its saltiness. Uh, salt in Jesus' day was mostly produced by the evaporation of seawater. So they would create along the seashore in different areas. They would create an area where they would gather salt water and let it evaporate, and then it would there would be salt crystals that would be there. And then they would do that until there was enough salt crystals there to gather. The problem was there was always a, a layer that was at the bottom. And the bottom layer would, would tend to have dirt in it. So as they're collecting the salt, once they got to where it began to have dirt in it, uh, it wasn't any good for seasoning because... How much sand does it take to ruin salt or to ruin food? This is why I'm not a big fan of the beach. I love the way the beach looks in principle. I just don't like the beach because you get sand in places you didn't know you had places. You just... My, my ideal beach vacation in Florida is, is because I can't go to Texas Beach. They're, it's horrible. <laughs> I 
Well, there's some good ones somewhere. I not found them yet, but they're there. Uh, but to be in a swimming pool looking at the beach. Because if you're at the beach and you try to eat a sandwich, that, I think that's where the word came from. It's a sandwich. Uh, you know, and you just, the wind blows, and for, you, know, you take a bite and you think, oh, man, this is a bologna and sand sandwich. It's, so you know, it's just a reality. So how much salt does it take to ruin? How much sand does it take to ruin salt? Not very much. How much of the world does it take to ruin the testimony of a Christian? Not very much. See, he said that it's only good for it to be trodden under foot, so they would use it uh, as weed control. And he wasn't even very good at that. I mean, you can use salt to kill weeds. Did you know that? You can use salt, put it on weeds. But it's not, it's not, you know, it's about like Roundup. It doesn't really work, you know. You just spray it on and then watch the weeds. It's like, was that fertilizer? I thought that was Roundup, but yet they just keep coming back. So a Christian who's mixed with the world, mixed with the dirt of the world, we're not effective for the kingdom of God anymore. So Jesus said, we're salt, and he wants us to retain our saltiness. He doesn't want us mixed with the world. Jesus, praying for us, said this, I have given them your word, and the word has hate, the, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world. Even as I'm not of the world, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. But, so Jesus said, you're, you're, you got, have to be in the world. He wants us in the world. I mean, he's put us here on purpose. We're in the world, but he doesn't want us to be tainted by the evil one. He doesn't want us to be affected by what's going on in the world. He wants us to affect the world. He wants us to be salt and light. He wants us to make a difference. In the, he doesn't want the world to infect us. He wants us to impact the world. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed. One translation says, don't let the world push you into its mold. And there's just always this pressure. So how do we keep from conforming? Well, the way, the way we keep from conforming is that we're continually being transformed. So how are we transformed? We're, well, he says we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we renew our minds? Well, we, we renew our minds with the knowledge of God's word and then agreement with God's word and obedience to God's word. How many of you know that knowledge and obedience aren't the same thing. I mean, you know, is there, you know, how many of you know that exercise is good for you? Right? Some of you aren't even gonna raise your hands, you're so condemned already. It's like, I'm, I'm not buying into that. I see where this is going. I'm not a sucker. <laughs> He's about to tell me I'm in, you know, I mean, so there's things that we know but that we don't do, and, and we even believe in it. We would tell other people to do it. <laughs> well, you need to exercise, you know. Are you exercising? Well, I don't have time, but you have, obviously have time because it looks like you're not doing anything. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the way we are. So 
But there's a difference between just knowing about it and even agreeing with it. There's a point of obedience where we do it. Jesus said that we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. So, so how do we keep from conforming? We, we have to conform ourselves deliberately to the word of God. We have to ask, what does God's word say about this? How, how should I be doing this? So we're not conformed. We're transformed. We're God's lights. God wants us to be lights that shine in a dark world. Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand it gives light to the whole house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So your Christianity, you, what you're, doing, you're not doing it to be visible, but by doing the stuff, being like Jesus, it, it causes the light to shine in the world and people notice. Let your light shine before men in such a way they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Philippians 2.14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's a good refrigerator verse to put up. So that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So he's made us to shine. He wants us to be a light. And, and in the midst, as the world gets darker, our light will be more evident. See, the early church, their light shone so brightly because they were in a pagan Roman culture that was just messed up. And so when they just begin to show the love of Christ, it was incredible. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace alone. Now, a recent survey shows that 66% of evangelicals Christians, evangelicals are people who believe, supposedly, you're saved by grace. 66% of evangelicals believe that their works are part of their salvation. You are saved by your works. And I will tell you, this is a general belief, that people think that if they're good, it will get them into heaven. You're saved by your goodness. And I've, been, I've done a lot of funerals now at this point in my life. And it is, a, it is an underlying belief that your goodness gets you into heaven. But the Bible tells us very clearly we're not saved by good works. We're saved 100% by grace. There's nothing you add to your salvation. You, you can't add to your salvation any more than Lazarus could have raised himself from the dead. You know what Lazarus thought before he was thinking before he got raised from the dead? Nothing, because he was dead. And that's exactly the way salvation works. When Jesus raised you from the dead, he gave you the faith to say yes. When you said yes to Jesus, it wasn't, well, well I participated, I said yes. You know why? Because he told you to. <laughs> he drew you by the Spirit. He revealed the Word to you. That Word created faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And then he appealed to you by the Holy Spirit to come to Jesus. 
And you did. And it was all by grace. It's all by grace. You cannot participate in any way. Because the reason we can't participate, because if we could participate, we would boast. So, I mean, and I've told you this story before, but if you haven't heard this, please bear with me if you've heard this before. So Landon, my, my eldest son, decides he's going to buy me, because now he's working for Cummins. He's going to buy me a new Cummins Ram diesel. And so, you know, so since COVID, they've gone up about 30 grand. Uh, so he takes me to the Ram dealer. We pick out, you know, a nice four by four, you know, heavy duty Ram. It's about 90 grand. All right. <laughs> this is, this is make believe. It's okay. <laughs> I'm still driving a 12 year old Ford truck. Okay. So it's all right. Uh, and so we go to the checkout and Landon's there to pay. And they say it's $90,000. And the guy says, oh, we made a little mistake in the, in the arithmetic here. It's $90,000.25. And Landon, you know, being a, an elder millennial, uh, doesn't carry cash. He's, you know, so he says, I, you know, I brought, hey, I brought $90,000. I don't have, there's not anything else. So I reach in my pocket and I pull out a quarter. I said, well, here, I've got a quarter. And so I put it on the counter and they give us the keys and I drive off. The first place I stop, I say, hey, look at this. What do you think about this truck? Pretty awesome, right? Landon and I bought it. Did, didn't I participate? You see, we would boast if we could. That's why it has to be all Jesus. Because we'd want to take credit for it. But, it's, but we're, not, we're saved 100% by what Jesus does. But I want you to notice this next line, what it says. That not as a result of works, so that no one would boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And by the way, thank you, Landon. Uh, for good works... We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to works. We are created for the purpose of doing the works that God's called us to do. And this is, this is not a one-verse thing. In your Bible app, not right now, later, just look good, just those two words, put in good works. The New Testament is filled with calls for you and I as believers to do the stuff that demonstrates that we've been saved by grace. We're supposed to live like who we are. Who are we? We are, we talked about our inheritance, now we are the sons of God. Not when we get to heaven. Right now, we are the sons of God. We're walking in our inheritance. And right now, God's called us to live our lives in such a way that we are salt and light. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. That's everybody who is not, a, you know, every unbeliever out there is what he's saying. That in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, Glorify God in the day of visitation. So people are going to slander you, slander you for your beliefs and for doing good things. But 
In the day of visitation, they will rejoice because you helped lead them to God. So what kind of good deeds should we do? We should, we should be loving our neighbor as ourself. Jesus said, these are, the, these are the commandments. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. We dem- demonstrate the love of God when we love our neighbors ourselves. The early church loved God so much, they weren't killing other people that didn't comply. They were laying their lives down. They, and, and they, they died rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. I mean, you can read the accounts of those in the early church and for thousands of years, people who were killed by non-Christians and other Christians that were led to the, fed to the lions in Ephesus or in Rome, or they were often burned at the stake. And many of them, as they were burning, were singing psalms of, of praise and rejoicing and preaching and giving testimony. Uh, they, so they died rejoicing. They cared for the people around them. They cared, uh, the Romans complained that they cared for everybody. They didn't just care for people that were Christians. They cared for everybody they ran across. They just got involved in people's lives and helped people that were sick or that were needy or that had been rejected by Roman society. Roman society rejected a lot of people. If you had a physical uh, deformity of any kind, you were going to be rejected by the Roman society because you were flawed. And so they cared for people. They cared for the sick and the needy and They rescued children from the trash heap. The Romans threw away children. They just threw them away, especially girls, because they, you know, they didn't feel like they needed them. It created a crisis later on. They, uh, so the only girls that were available ended up being Christian girls, because the Christians rescued so many from not the only ones, but it changed the numbers. Uh, so they rescued them from the trash heap and raised them as their own children. The, they just, what they do? They just tried to apply the words of Jesus. So when Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me, they just tried to value children. When Jesus talked about marriage, they, they tried to value marriage. When Jesus said, you know, take care of the poor, they, t- they tried to take care of the poor. They just tried to do Jesus. They, you know, they, and it wasn't a program. It wasn't like, hey, hey, let's start a program to do this. They just, they just did it. Individuals like you and me. They didn't see a need and say, hey, pastor, I saw a need over here. (laughs) Somebody ought to do something. I get those calls quite often. Somebody ought to do something. And it's often when you say, well, what about about you? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. You know, I just knew there was somebody better than me to do it. So how do we... How do we uh, do this? How do we convey this truth? We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. But our Christianity is not a badge. It's, it's a behavior. How are we going to live differently? How do we live differently? How do we convey the truth? And how we convey the truth is almost as important as the truth itself. How you convey truth. I mean, there, there's a way you can say something. I love you. I do. I love you. And you're like, really? Because it sounds like you're kind of mad. 
So how you say something is as important as what you say. So how we say stuff in the world, because how we communicate to the world is very important. 2 Timothy 2, 24, the, the Lord's bondservant must not be on Facebook. Oh, I'm sorry. Must not be quarrelsome. Or TikTok, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. It says, so how are we supposed to be? Patient when wronged, gentle when correcting those in opposition. Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders who don't know the truth. Making the most of the opportunity, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so you'll know how to respond to each person. We're gonna, we're gonna give grace to people. What's grace? Unmerited favor. So when we respond to people, we're gonna respond to people with favor they don't deserve. Oh, but they came at me. Yeah, but give them favor they don't deserve. Kind of got quiet there for a minute. First Peter three fifteen. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. If you see what it's saying is, if there is an offense, it should be the the offense of the the gospel, not the offense of our mannerisms and attitude. You see, Jesus is an offense. To say Jesus is the only way to heaven. You mean, you mean there's not other ways to heaven? Well, Jesus said he was the only way to heaven. That's offensive. You understand that's offensive, right? To say Jesus is the only way. You mean I can't get there with my good works? Nope, your good works aren't. I can't get there by following Buddha. I can't get there by following Buddha. Because Buddha didn't think he'd, even Buddha didn't think he'd get there that way, right? So, I can't, what about, how about Allah, Islam? No, Jesus said there's one way. That's, a, that's offensive. So we need to recognize that and how we say that, how we say it, we're not trying to be offensive in our, the manner in which we say it, we want, but we want to be committed to the truth. You see, not everyone is ready to receive the truth just because you want to tell them the truth. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in us. To, is this a good time? Is this a good time? Matthew 7, 6. Don't give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine. It's not telling people, saying, calling people who disagree with you dogs and swine. It's making a point. Or they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You don't give something of value to someone who can't comprehend it. You don't give something of value to someone who can't comprehend its value. Do you give your children your china to play with? No, because they would destroy it. Landon's dog thinks that uh, Costa sunglasses are dog chews. And he's taken out a couple of pairs that he also will take off the counter. Because... <laughs> You know, they don't have to be, you don't have to throw them on the floor and say, hey, here's a chew toy. He'll just decide they're chew toys. Why? Because he's a, he's a great dog. He's a, he is the, he's a one, he's a chocolate lab. 
and he's a great dog. He's a wonderful dog. But he doesn't know he's not supposed to chew up sunglasses. They, they taste the same as a chew toy. He doesn't have any discernment. So you, you have to keep it out of his reach. In the same way as we have to be careful, we don't, in such a way we need to be sensitive. It's not everybody is ready for every truth all the time. There's a time. 2 Corinthians 4.3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that, unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of, image of God. So sometimes their eyes are blinded, they can't see, and so we, we need to love them, and we need to share the truth they can handle, but that doesn't mean every time you see everybody you know, you've got to tell them everything you know. That's why there's these platforms like Facebook or any of, the, any of the social media platforms that you can go on, and you can spew your beliefs without any consequences. They allow you to say more and say it with an intensity that you would not say in person. They, they, they give you room to, to hurt people, say hurtful, mean things about people's looks and about their family. And, uh, and so it just it opens up all kinds of that. So we need to be careful that that we're not doing that way because we're we're speaking to a to an to I would say an unbelieving audience. So we, we want to be careful how, what words we say, how we use it. We want to do it with gentleness and reverence, always with gentleness and reverence. That you see that you see that over and over again that we need to be gentle and reverent to people who disagree with us. We need to give grace to people who disagree with us. So Jesus was the friend of sinners. That, that was an accusation that the Pharisees made against Jesus, and Jesus talked about it. He said, you called me the friend of sinners. So Jesus was considered a friend of sinners. Why did Jesus relate so well to lost people? And he was, so he was sinless. He didn't sin. And generally, that person would make you uncomfortable. If you were around someone that was that never laughed at your dirty jokes, you know, it was like, I mean, but he wasn't that way. There was something about Jesus that lost people, people, people without hope of salvation, were drawn to him, and we we see it so clearly in the scripture. And he says this in Matthew eleven nineteen. He's talking about what they said. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Basically what Jesus said, but it's working. <laughs> yeah, but it's working. Did Jesus approve of sin? So then was Jesus soft on sin? Did he just like, well, it doesn't matter how you live. Just come and follow me. No. I mean, listen, listen to how Jesus started his ministry. Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So who needed to repent? Everybody. That's what made the religious people so mad. Because the sinners knew they were sinners, but the religious people thought they were good. So when Jesus said to everybody, hey, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, the religious people said, they need to repent. And Jesus said, no, you all need to repent. You, everyone needs to repent. It's, and so 
he, he didn't judge any one person saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. He said, huh, tag, you're it. To the woman caught in adultery, the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus said, where are your condemners? And she said, they're gone. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I hold you in judgment for what you've been accused of. A condemned man is a man whose judgment has already been made against him. Jesus said, these people had already made a condemnation. I do not make a, a condemnation against you. Go and sin no more. Notice that last part? He didn't say, listen, hey, carry on. Keep sinning. Go for it. Love who you love. Because Jesus knew that the accusation brought against her was not valid because it required two witnesses to catch the people in the act, both the couple. They had to be caught in the very act, and there had to be two witnesses, and, it, and where'd the man go? There's no man. So it's a setup. Jesus could see through it like, he was like, you guys. But he said, I don't condemn you. I don't hold you in this sin. I don't condemn you as that you'll never get out. You're always marked by this. This will always be who you are. The woman who was caught in adultery. You're no, isn't that great about coming to Christ? You're no longer caught in who you were. You're set free. We're not who we were. Now we are the sons of God. That's what Jesus is offering to this lady. He's saying, listen, you're not who you think you are. You're not who they say you are. You are free to not be bound by sin anymore. To Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And so you all know about Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. You remember that song? Anybody? So this is a story. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was short in stature. He climbed up in a tree so he'd see Jesus. Jesus saw him, said, come down from your tree. I'm going to go to your house. So he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and the Pharisees, the religious community, were like, oh, gosh, this Jesus guy is always hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners. And to them, tax collectors were horrible because they were taking away from the, the Jewish people. They were taking, being used by Rome to take advantage of the Jewish people, and they were getting wealthy doing it. And so they hated tax collectors. Here Jesus was having lunch with a tax collector, and they were just sick about it. And Zacchaeus says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay back. I'm going to give back half of my money to the poor. And everyone that I've defrauded, I'm going to pay back four times as much as I defrauded them. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus knew how to love the sinner without approving of the sin. And that's our challenge. That's how Jesus loves you and me. Jesus loves the sinner, but without approving of sin. Anybody hear sin recently? Did Jesus stop loving you? Isn't that good? Yeah. You can put. <laughs> I mean, have any of us sinned recently? Yes. 
but he doesn't approve of it. Because here's what happens. I don't know what happens when you sin. Here's what happens when I sin. The Holy Spirit says, why'd you do that? I try to ignore it. But it gets louder. He won't let me. Anybody recognize that? That's the way the Holy Spirit works in our heart. He's, he's bringing us back. I'm not getting saved again. I'm not having to start all over again. My, I'm, I'm saved by grace. But he's loving the sinner, but he doesn't approve of the sin in my life. There's no amount of sin in your life that Jesus is okay with. I mean, he said, be holy because I'm holy. That's the, that's the expectation. You say, well, I can't do that. He's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and you get the prize. What did you get? Salvation by grace. So how do we do this? How do, how do we manage this? How do we love? We just have to work really hard at loving people, loving lost people, uh, letting them know the love of Christ. Uh, we need to be salt and light. We need to do good stuff. We need to do so much good stuff that people notice. And we don't do it to be noticed. Wait a minute. We need to do so much good stuff that people notice, but we should never do good stuff to be noticed. Someone write that down. I'm gonna... Love God and love your neighbors. Speak the truth in love. That's always the way God works. It's always speak the truth in love. It's never speak the truth with meanness, with vitriol, with anger, with threats. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Let's love people into the kingdom. That's how I got in. How'd you get in? I was loved into the kingdom. That's how he works. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.